you stand all over the house as we read these few verses of Scripture? I'm going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 7. You're going to have the, as the American Standard Version is on the screen, and I'm going to actually read you from the English Standard Version. But if you would like to follow along, you can follow on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. I don't say this all the time, but I always encourage you, please don't ever quit toting your Bible. I understand that, man, you're going to put the Scriptures on the screen. You don't, you just, if you ain't been at Northwoods for any amount of time, you just don't know. We liable to come in here one day and the, all the projectors just hit the rock bottom at the same time. Computers just fall apart. But the Word of God is your sword. So even if we do put them on the wall, when you leave this place, the wall can't go with you, but you'll have your sword with you. Amen. And I know that can be spiritually spoken as well. The Word is written upon our heart. But if you haven't been eating it, you ain't going to know how to use it if it ain't with you. Amen. But anyhow, Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 4 through 6. Then we're going to drop down and read verses 15 through 18. This can be very confusing. So if you'll bear with me just a little while, we're going to break down Romans chapter 7. I did the best I could in getting you the most understandable version, but I'm telling you, if I'll read it to you in the King James, you're going to be t turning circles out there. Romans chapter 7, verse 4 through 6. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Let's drop down to verse 15 through 18. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. You go back one verse of Scripture on that screen. This is close to the King James Version. For that which I do I know not, for not what I would that do I practice, but what I hate that I do. So hopefully you understand why I'm reading the English Standard Version. Verse 16. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. What Paul is telling the Roman church, he said, Man, everything in me wants to do good. But I don't have the power to carry it out. Everything that I want to do, I don't do it. 
I want to be a man of integrity. I want to, I want to always tell the truth. I want, to, I want to always be trustworthy. I want to always be uh, spiritual. I want to always, you know, help the poor. I want to always love my enemies. I want to always do good to those that despitefully use me. I, I always, that's what I want to do because the Bible tells me to do that. But that is not what I do because I don't have the power to carry that out. And because of that, the law of sin and death has corrupted me through the law of God. The Bible tells us that the law or the, the law is the power of sin. And I'm going to explain that to you here in just a moment. But I want you to stretch your hands and pray for me this morning as I pray for you. Father, we come before you this morning in your holiness, in agreement, God, that you have a word for us this morning. And I pray that we all be willing and obedient, that we would all open up our hearts to hear what you are saying to us, God. That we would all decrease, that you might increase, Lord. Lord, that if any man or any woman think of themselves today that uh, to be something, Lord, that we would cast all that down and to realize, Lord, we are here to hear from you. I ask you today, God, to open our ears that we might hear, open our minds that we might understand, and open our hearts that we might conceive what the Spirit is saying unto the church. We give you the praise, we give you the honor, we give you the glory in Christ's name. And the church says, Amen. You may be seated all over the house. Uh, for those of you that wasn't here last week, we started a new series that's kind of a spinoff of the series that we just recently went through called Maturity in Progress. In the series of Maturity in Progress, we learn of five different words or levels of that means sons of God. But in the book of Romans, when he says to them that are led by the Spirit, that haven't he given that has he given power to be called sons of God. And that word sons is weases. That same word weas is used in the gospels when the when Jesus is down in the river and he comes up out of the river and the heavens open and the Bible says a spirit descending like a dove in the form of a man. We you know sometimes as apologists. Uh, if you don't know what an apologist is, it's someone that knows how to argue their stance and faith and what they believe. But sometimes as apologists, sometimes we just pick little arguments that don't really matter in the church. But if I was going to pick one of them arguments, this would be it. How many times you ever went into a church and you see the white dove on the wall? Or how many times you ever seen the Holy Spirit on uh, touched by an angel and the white dove flies away? When the scripture says that he came down like a dove in the form of a man. All right. So anyhow, just, just a little nugget of, it doesn't matter. If you have a dove in your house, don't go home and throw it away. Don't go home and shoot it if it's alive because you can't have a dove. I'm just saying, it's one of those things, be very, you know, be, be very, be very particular when you read the Word of God. Because we got to remember that the Spirit, we don't want to just, we don't want to dumb the Spirit of God down to being like a bird. Because birds can fly into glasses and, 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 and cra do crazy things. I walk out of this church sometimes. I, looked, I hope maybe he may have got hit by a car. But uh, for a little while there, I'd park my truck out there by the sign. And there was this little mockingbird that would get on my mirror. And he would fight himself. In my, and I'd go out there. And, and I don't know if he's been walking around in his um, excretion. But there would be white stuff all over my window where he's fighting himself in the window. So I don't want my spirit... Uh, the Spirit of God, I don't want to, to think of Him as being that bird out there fighting itself in a glass. But I do want us to understand that the Spirit came down like a dove, and the voice of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Talking about Jesus. That word for Son is weas. 
It means ready to take over the Father's business, having the very nature of the Father. Jesus was set forth that day by the voice in heaven that said, this is my beloved son. So maturity is very important. So moving into this next series that we started last week, I titled this series, The To-Do List. And I asked you this question. I said, how many has ever set out a to-do list for yourself? Or maybe you were going out of town and you, you set out a to-do list for your children, their chores, or what, what you needed done, what animals you needed fed. And I didn't ask you how many of them ever got accomplished. I said, how many has ever, has ever put out a to-do list? And if I ask you how many of them ever got accomplished, all my parents would be, yeah, yeah, that's it. Preach it, preacher. But making a to-do list, how many understand that heaven has a to-do list for your life and hell has a to-do list for your life? How many understand that even though you might be a child of God here today, if you are not walking accordingly to the scriptures, that even as a child of God, you, might, you could possibly be fulfilling the to-do list of the enemy? As a matter of fact, Paul even specifies that, that he tells us that the things that are good in your life can actually be used against you. He's talking about the law in Romans chapter 7. Because he said, I'm not calling the law a bad thing. But, you know, before I didn't know it was wrong to want what somebody else had. So I didn't look at it being a bad thing. I didn't look at it being a wrong thing. And there was nothing in me that made me want to just desire what everybody else had. But the moment the law told me thou shalt not covet, then sin, being a, a spiritual capacity of the enemy, began to utilize what was good for me and use it against me to make me want what somebody else had. Does that make sense? In other words, if, I, if no one ever taught you that stealing was wrong, could you actually be punished? If there was no law against stealing, do you think it would be right for a judge to put you in prison for stealing? If there was no law against it, do you think it would be right for us to be judged by something? Okay, let me put this in my native language. Okay, I'm not African. I can't do that. Uh, Johan Brewer done a pretty good job at it. Let me ask you like this. If I brought you to court and I am the prosecutor and I stood you in front of the judge and I said, all right, judge, I, want, I, am, I am seeking, I'm the district attorney, I am seeking 20 years to life for this person because I walked in and I, we witnessed them. They were witnessed on camera showing love, patience, and joy in, a, in Walmart the other day. Would you back up sending someone to prison for that? Why? There isn't, the Bible says because of, for these things there is no law. But yet, we understand without even being taught. Even Paul goes on later. I can't even. I'm telling you, if you've never read the book of Romans, it's, it's, it's a very enlightening book. Romans chapter 7. Don't ever read Romans chapter 7 and say, well, I'll come back and read Romans chapter 8 tomorrow. Don't read Romans chapter 7 by itself or you'll be living in some conviction all day long. Make sure you at least go into the first few verses of Romans 8 before you stop reading Romans chapter 7, okay? But anyhow, reading in Romans chapter 7 where we're at, Paul is telling the Roman church, he said, look, the thing that I, that I want to do, I want to do what's right, but I can't because the power of sin, it, it, it makes me want to do because I know what's right and what's wrong. Then the, the, the enemy wants to utilize my flesh, which is of the same nature of sin now because of the fall. Now I tend to do all the things that I don't want to do. I tend to find myself lying when I, 
when I want to tell the truth. I, 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 I tend to find myself doing what is good for me instead of doing what is good for others. I find myself focusing on what I want and not so much on what other people want. And I know for some of you out there, you're probably thinking, well, that's not a sin. That's not a sin. If you understand the love of God, you know that the love of God always, always prefers your brother over yourself. It always prefers. I've heard people say, Pastor, why are you worried about what the church is going to think? You're the pastor. You can do what you want to do. First off, that's not true if you know the minutes of the church of God. Number two, it's not good to do that even if I could because my job as a pastor is to walk according to this word. It says I should prefer my brother. That's why I believe in getting a counsel. That's why I believe in having the membership, amen, go through a class because you are the one that I'm going to rely on and I'm going to come to and say, look, I think this would be a good idea. But if the church says it's not, I don't just get the rave to gavel and say, well, look who's in charge. No, those are things we should just, okay, I want to do it. It's my preference, but if the church don't want it and, we're, and it, doesn't, it doesn't affect us spiritually, then so be it. We're not going that route. And that we have to be okay with that. But going back to Romans 7, going to the to-do list, what I want to talk to you about today. If you read Romans chapter 7, it makes you at least for me, it makes me feel like, man, this Christian life is it's impossible to live. It is impossible to live a Christian life. How Even Paul, who was able to take multiple lashings and was able to be shipwrecked and still have faith in God, that was able to be in prison and still have faith in God, and yet here he is in Romans talking about, I want to do good, but I just can't. I want to do what's right, I just can't. I try to do what's right, and I fail. I try to do what's right, and I fall. How many remember a scripture that we used when we got to the, the fifth level of the maturity and progress? How many remember how that, that, that scripture out of Ephesians started out? We all stumble in many ways, but the man that does not stumble in his word, that is a perfect man. That word perfect there doesn't mean without fault. That is a fully mature person. That is a person that, that weighs the option, that isn't quick to, to speak, that, that, that's, that's quick to think but slow to speak, that's quick to listen. Amen. The fully mature, the one that's made it all the way to the maturity of level saying, man, they are led by the Spirit. They wake up and they crucify their flesh every day. But I, I, I tend to think of this, so I can bear witness with, with many of you today when you read verses or scriptures like you read in Romans chapter 7 to think to yourself, man, this Christian life is hard. It'd be much easier for me to just go out and try to live by the law than to live by the Christian life. But I want to tell you some, uh, one thing this morning. If the Christian life looks too hard, we must remember that we are not called to live it by ourselves. You're not expected to live the Christian life by yourself, in your works, and in your deeds. It is through faith by grace that we have been saved. And then when Jesus comes up out of the water, I, I taught on this a couple of weeks ago, what happens next? He didn't give a message in tongues. He didn't prophesy. He didn't go run to pews. He didn't go to the priest and say, I want to be a pastor. He went, he was led by the Spirit. Immediately after his baptism, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
the Spirit, right after his, his, his setting forth, his temptation came. Uh, Dr. Johann Brewer taught on this the other night and did a wonderful job. You can't say that you truly have faith and despise test. If your faith cannot be tested, then you cannot call it faith. Just like your hope can't be called hope if it's only in things you see. That's why I hear people say all the time, if, I, if there's a God, why won't he show himself to me? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If I say I have hope only in things that I've seen, that's not hope. I must have hope in the things that are unseen because those things are eternal. Just like I can't put my faith in things that I have all the answer to I, faith is only true in the things that I don't know where my next meal's coming from I don't know where the money's going to come from I don't know how I'm going to get there I don't know how I'm going to rise up to this occasion I don't know how I'm going to be a good mama or a good daddy I don't know how I'm going to lead my children but I know in whom I have believed and he is able to deliver me from the snare of the fowler he is able to deliver me out of the pass of darkness and set me into his marvelous light so, my goal for you this morning is to give you the to-do list for each version. In this life, whether you be a child of God or you be an all-out sinner never saved, having never been saved, every person under the sound of my voice has a flesh. Well, no, Brother Josh, when I got saved, I was a new creation. Old things passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Well, when Paul got saved, he became a new creation. Old things were passed away, and behold, all things became new. But for some reason, he felt led to tell the whole world in Scripture that I crucify myself daily. Amen. Every day, I have to crucify myself. And I believe if Paul was alive in 2022, and he was a member in the church today, he would even revamp that Scripture. He said, hmm, looking at how church is done nowadays, I don't just crucify myself daily. I crucify, I crucify myself by the hour, by the minute, amen, because there's always some conflicting. Church won't even get out 10 minutes today. Somebody's going to start trying to stir something in offense. Watch me. Watch and learn. If you're the one that's trying to be stirred with, I hope that you take that, that spoon out of the pot they're trying to stir and say, now lick it. I believe, I've always said that if you, if you got the... If you, got the audacity to stir a pot somewhere, you ought to have the decency to lick the spoon when it's all done. Amen? And if you don't know the phrasing about licking, uh, stirring the pot, what's in the pot ain't good for licking. All right. But I want to give you a to-do list for the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. I want to show you what the flesh, what the enemy wants to use your flesh to do. He's got a to-do list he wants to check off. He wants all of these to be checked off in your life. But he's okay if he can just get a couple of them checked off in your life. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if I don't want to do these things, I must walk in the Spirit. But if I don't walk in the Spirit every day, if I don't wake up and crucify my flesh daily, I will find myself falling into this to-do list. Next verse. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to the one or one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would remember what paul said the things that i would do i don't do and the things that i don't want to do i do he tells us in galatians here if you are not if you're if you understand the spirit the flesh and the spirit go against each other depending on which one wins will determine on what you do and don't do but if you be led of the spirit you are not under the law, which is what? 
The power of sin and death. It's the thing that tells me what I'm doing is wrong, but I do it anyway. It's the thing in which I will be judged by. It's the thing that, that, that leads me, amen, to understand I am unable to be a Christian. I can't fulfill the word of the law. I can't fulfill the written record of the law. But that is a great news that we're not in under the law anymore. We are under grace, which is through Jesus Christ. It, did not, it doesn't give us the power to sin. He said, God forbid. But he says that through grace we have been saved. Grace is something that happens to us. And when we truly receive grace, we are led by the one who saves us. Amen. Next, next verse of scripture, please. Now the works of the flesh. This is your to-do list. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Well, that's all. That's all of Nope. And everything like these and such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we might be in a grace-given church, but don't tell me God is not still got a wrath. Amen. He said the people that work these things, that people that mark off these to-do lists, the people that are operating in this to-do list, he said will do such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It don't matter how many times you went to church. It don't matter that you was friends with the preacher. It don't matter that you, your kid was uh, baptized. It don't matter that your daddy was the pastor. If you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are biblical words that we just used. I want to break them down for you and give you just a few in, in South Georgia terminology in my native tongue. Can I do that for you? Divisions. Strife. Envy. One of these words in here means disunity. In other words, we need, and, and, and this isn't for Northwoods itself. This is something that's been unraveling for decades, but we're seeing the fruits of it today. Sunday morning services or, or, or church services, we have to have a category for each group of people. We got to take our kids in this room. We got to take our youth in this room. We got to take our women in this room. We got to take our men in this room. Praise team, you can't sit with the crowd. You need to be above and all belong them. Pastor, you need to sit in the throne on the left side of the stage. Pastor's wife, you need to come in being carried by four men with no shirts on. Uh, we need tigers and lions and bears all lined up through this. And we want to we want to disunify the church. We want to tell these young people, you're over here by yourself. You can't mingle with them because you're not as knowledgeable and you're not as useful to the church as the rest of these people and then we want to go back here to our kids church and we want to tell them oh you're too ignorant to understand the Holy Spirit so we're going to leave you in here to talk about over the valley and through the hills to grandmother's house we go and we're going to color pictures and we're going to make pixels at the end of the day and we're going to, we're going to just say we had a good time at recess and then that's what happens is we delude the power of the Spirit and we teach our kids to come to church and have recess and we teach our adults that kids can't be in the sanctuary they're disruptive we need to apply listen if your baby is crying in church. Get up and make noise with the baby. Say praise the Lord, all you people. The reason that babies are distracting in churches is because everybody sitting on pews are so dead and offended that they won't make a noise. And the baby out of the mouth of babes and sucklings shall my praise be perfected. If a baby cries under my voice, I'm just going to use it like somebody saying, come on preacher. 
I don't want to separate the families any longer on a Sunday morning service. I don't want to keep moving and dividing. This unity is a work of the flesh, taking people away, building kingdoms outside of the kingdom of God. And so we, 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 we quit building the kingdom of God. We start building castles. We're no longer worried about the kingdom of God prevailing. We want our castle to stand. Oh, the church ain't doing good, but you see my castle? My castle's nice. Oh, the church is just falling apart. You know, you got 50% of pastors, I uh, found out yesterday a statistic, 50% of pastors locked in on pornography. Oh, but did you see my castle? Oh, did, did you hear about the, uh, all the stuff going on over there in Bethel and Hillsong? Uh, but you see my castle? This ought to break our heart instead of standing up and saying, you hear what's going on down the road at so-and-so church? Oh, yeah, their pastor just got caught in an affair. <laughs> but I'm glad it's not our castle. This is the kingdom of God that we are talking about. This is in which, the thing in which God chose us to lose. And we are, we are allowing the disunity. We, 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 we go out and we ask people, come, come support our revival. And guess what? Very hard to get someone to come support a revival if it's not at their church. Because we are so disunified. We are so, we are so divided. And that's not any one person's fault. But when, once God gives us the revelation and he says, Whoo, this isn't of the Spirit. How can we be led by the Spirit and all walk different directions? How many directions does the Spirit travel? He might be omnipresent, but he's one directional. He's only going to the Father. He ain't taking folks to the pits of hell. He ain't taking folks out here to, 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 to Buddha. He ain't taking them out here to Allah. He's taking them to one place. He might be omnipresent, but he's one directional. He's only going one direction. So if we are all led by the Spirit, don't matter if you go to your castle, the next door castle, or the next door castle. All these castles are going to fall into the kingdom of God. Amen? Moving forward. Now, I want to give you the to-do list for the Spirit. The Spirit, the Bible says in Galatians right here, but I just read it to you a moment ago, that the, that the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. And we know that lusting means that there is a desire or a want Okay, so obviously when we hear the word lust, many of us automatically think to sexual perversion. But the Bible tells us that the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And that doesn't necessarily just be, doesn't fall into a category of sexual perversion. It just simply means it has desires that the spirit don't have. Its wants are against what the spirit wants. The flesh wants the things that I just gave you. But then it turns right back around, and the spirit lusteth against the flesh. So the spirit has a desire for your life that the flesh doesn't want. The spirit says, I want to take you, and I want to mold you. I want to, I want to guide you. I want to lead you. I want to teach you. I want to show you all things. I want to show you the will of God. I want to use you to walk in a capacity that when you walk in the room, people think you're so fake because you have so many fruits on your tree. If you walk into a, uh, into a vineyard, and all the vines are dead, and all of a sudden you see this one down here on the end by itself, and it's just covered in fruit. You can be like, man, I wonder if that's an artificial tree down there. Nothing else out here grows. That's what the world is going to think about the true Christian because many are called but few are chosen. There's only going to be a few trees out there that have that fruit, and it's not because they're artificial fruits. See, that's, that, there is a lot of people out there that they have learned that you don't have to put in the work. You don't have to study. 
You can go to Lowe's and you can go inside and buy one of them plants that you never have to water, that you never have to give sunlight to. You just set it in your foyer or you set it in, uh, in on your patio and it's green for the rest of its life. You don't ever have to trim it. You don't ever have to cut it. You don't ever have to pull it back. And look, that thing, those things are great when you're the man, man or woman at the house and you're responsible for trimming the hedges. Yeah, I mean, go put a fake bush, bush outside of my house and I ain't going to say a word. I don't ever want to have to cut grass again. Go put turf all over my yard. I'll be fine with it. But when it comes to walking out your soul salvation, there's a lot of people that said, man, I can log on to this YouTube channel every week and I have a sermon to preach. I can use my printer. I can use my click button and click print and I don't even have to write anything. It's right there for me. I don't even have to read the Bible. I just go to Google and say, Google, what's the Bible say about sin? First thing pops up, I click it, print it. I got, I got something to talk about on sin now. And what's happening is they, they're standing in positions and there are, they are presenting fruit, but there's no seed on the inside of it. There's nothing that's going to replicate because there was no spirit involved in it. It was simply being led. Now, I'm not saying that if you go and research and use those things that you're doing wrong, but that should never be the source. If you are still that shallow, do yourself a favor and don't put yourself in a position that you're going to be judged by what others do. Because the Bible says that the, the, the blood of this church is going to be on my hands if I lead it wrong, if I do it wrong. I don't, want, I don't want to sit here and think that I, I, I went through artificial fruits teaching you guys, and then y'all go out and live with it. And when I stand before God, he's going to say, well, Josh, you've done all right, but the people that you were over, you led them this way, and their blood is required at your hands. That's very, very dangerous. I don't want a position that I ain't ready to fulfill. I don't want a position. I don't want a responsibility that the Lord has not equipped me and I have not put in the work to be able to do it. That is why I'm a firm believer. And listen, I don't even believe the church of God requires the depth of knowledge it should take to be a pastor. I really don't. I think they're, they're very, but you got people out there that have talked bad about a church of God or, or an assembly of God because, well, yeah, I don't know what kind of church thinks that they got to send me through something for me to be a preacher. I'm not man called. I'm God called. Well, David was called to be a king. Guess what? He didn't rise up the next day and put on a crown. He still followed after Saul. He still worked out there with the sheep. It was years down the road before the anointed King David was actually King David. Amen. And there's so many people that walk into church and say, Oh, I felt Holy Ghost. I'm ready to be a pastor. And they no longer have to go through any process or any training. They don't even need the Lord to talk to them because they've already been called. These are the works of the flesh. But I want to give you the list of the works of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit lusts for in your life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Thank you. Against such there is no law. In other words, it doesn't matter how hard sin works. It is impossible for him to use the fruit of the Spirit for evil. It is impossible for him to take what the Spirit lusts for in your life and make it, make it be used for negative. See, he could use that even though the law was good. He was able to use that to attack people. It gave him power now. But he can't do that with the Spirit. And in the Old Testament... 
They wasn't spirit baptized. We'll read, we, you go read about Samson, and the spirit came upon him. You'll read all throughout the Bible, and the Spirit came upon him, and the Spirit came upon him, and the Spirit came upon him. And he'll still come upon you today. But there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit now that the church has. That even don't matter if you are at church. It don't matter if you're at a lion, you know, in a fight with a lion. It don't matter if you're out there at a ball game. The Holy Spirit is there with you. He goes everywhere you go. He does, he'll work anywhere that you are. But it's, you have got to understand today, or you've got to make the decision today, which to-do list am I going to work at every day when I get up? Every day when I get up, which to-do list am I going to work after? We went to a meeting, a ministry meeting yesterday, and another pastor friend of mine shared something, and I love his analogy, what he used. He said, when you build a fire, you start up to be able to build a fire, you gotta have a fuel. You gotta have heat and you gotta have oxygen. But you can have heat and you can have oxygen. But as that fire burns, and that wood that was piled up, as that fire burns and consumes that wood, the fire what does what? It dies down. You can make your mind up. Just say it's Christmas Eve and the family's in there and the fire's beautiful and y'all don't want the fire to die. What, what do you do then to make the fire keep burning? Continue putting wood on it. See, there are so many people because they've been in church for so long or because they're in a position somewhere. Or because they own a business somewhere. Or because that because they teach in a, in a, in a public school somewhere. Or because they, they have this many followers or this many friends on a Facebook or an Instagram. The mentality is, I've gotten saved years ago. But the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit like fire. So if you want to have a bird on, your, on one wall, make sure you're putting fire on the other wall. And water on the other wall. And cloven tongues of each on all of them. Bread and, you know, wind, whatever else. But anyhow, the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you immediately. The day you come to know the Lord, He's there. He's, he's willing to give you as much as you're willing to receive. And most of us, when we get to that point, we give our hearts to God. Most everyone in here could probably testify, you walked out of that place on fire the day you, got, you gave your heart to Jesus. The day you truly done it and you felt something shift in your life, you, you probably walked out on fire. But as time went along, that passion started to fade. That desire started to fade. You was reading your Bible every day and now you just pick it up when you have to or when you got to study for something. That fire started dying. And we have ill-equipped people to put the fire back on, or put the wood back on the fire. Keep adding the fuel to the fire. Keep getting to the same place that you once was in God to where everything that is coming, that, that way that flesh doesn't have room to speak. You wake up in the morning before your feet hit the floor, crucify your flesh and invite the Spirit to lead you throughout that day. Because it is impossible for you to walk out the Christian life. You remember what I said last week? 
I believe it is possible to be a child of God and not be a Christian. You go ask somebody, do you go to church? I'm a Christian. Or are you a child of God? Yeah, I'm a Christian. But I believe it is possible to be a child of God and not be a Christian. Because to be a Christian, the word means to be Christ-like. And there are a lot of children of God that haven't matured to be Christ-like. They're not thinking like Christ. They act in their flesh and not in their emotions. When something happens, their flesh acts out because it hasn't been crucified that day. And it acts out. So they're not walking Christ-like. Even though they have been saved by Jesus Christ, they are not walking Christ-like. Paul told them, he said, let this mind that was in Christ be also in me. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, be Christ-like as I am Christ-like. But if I do anything other than what is Christ-like, take me out of the equation. Take me out of the picture. Only follow after Christ. And if I mimic Christ, then you can mimic me. But if I don't mimic Christ, then don't mimic me. I don't care how good of a preacher I am. I don't care how good of a leader I am. I don't care how good of a friend I am. I might be able to fish better than you, and that's okay. I hunt better than you, and that's okay. But don't follow me if I'm not mimicking Christ. Christ is the one thing that you should desire to be after. That was for you, Chris, about the fishing comment. As the musicians come and I close, it's 12.01, y'all. It's unbelievable. But I still got to close. <laughs> 30 minutes later. But as the Spirit desires to use you today so does the enemy and as I taught you remember don't go read just Romans chapter 7 this sounds hard today if you want to get up before you go out and tell people man that brother Josh he just preaches too hard I can't do that you got to come back and hear the whole series before you judge me you can't come in here you can't go watch the first 10 minutes of the movie and say that's the stupidest movie I've ever seen in my life you got to hear the whole series before you judge it. Because like I told you in the very beginning, don't just read Romans chapter 7. Don't stop at Romans chapter 7. If you're going to read Romans chapter 7, I am telling you for your own benefit, read Romans chapter 8. At least the first three verses. Because it starts out. He says, the thing that I want to do, I can't do. I try to do it, but I can't do it. I'm too weak to do it. And I'm Paul. So if I can't do it, you probably can't do it. I try to do right. I can't do it. It's impossible. The law gave power to the enemy, and now he uses it. What I want to do good, he still uses it against me. And then here comes Romans chapter 8, verse 1, knocking on the door. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For what the law of sin and death could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, amen, the Spirit of God has done through His Spirit, amen. And, and I'll paraphrase that last portion a little bit. And then it goes on to tell us, they that walk after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that walk after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. In other words, they that walk after the flesh do the to-do list of the flesh. 
flesh, but they that walk after the Spirit will, will do the to-do list of the Spirit. He said, because if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if He dwell in you, shall also quicken your mortal body. In other words, I'm going to crucify my flesh, but I don't have to die physically. I just got to crucify the power of sin. And when I get up, my, my body is not, is not fixed by what I was doing. It's not fixed by what I thought in my mind. It's not fixed by what I wished I would have did. It's fixed by the Spirit who does exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. He lifts me up. He says, come on, Josh. It's time to get out of bed. You leave that flesh in the, on that bed right there, and you walk with me every day. See, the law said you had to be circumcised eight days after you were born, but the Spirit says, I need you to get circumcised every day you wake up. Cut the flesh off. Cut the flesh off because when you wake up, you're a child of God, but the enemy still has a plan for your life. He may not even be able to steal your soul, but he can keep you from walking in the glory God has for you. See, we have gotten this mentality because of our multifaceted ministries on a Sunday morning. We have gotten this mentality that it's all about saved or unsaved. For years, the only thing I worried about was if I die, am I going to go to hell? If I die, am I going to go to heaven? And the more I matured in Christ and I actually began studying the Word, there's very little, I'm not going to say very little, but there's a whole lot more to God's desire for my life than whether I go to heaven or hell. His desire to have a relationship with me is because He is so glorious, He is so powerful, He is so omniscient that He could do anything He wants to all by Himself. But he chooses me. Think about that for a minute. I want you to say that to yourself. He chooses me. He chooses me. In spite of everything I've ever done. In spite of how many times I've woke up and I've checked off the checklist for the enemy. When I went to work, I didn't go to work for God. I went to work for the enemy. When I got up and put my boots on and I strapped up in the armor, it wasn't the armor of God, it was the armor of my flesh. How many, no, it doesn't matter how many times I did that, God looked down and he said, I still choose you, Josh. I choose you. Will you choose me? And if I'll choose him, he, he gives me something. He says, Josh, it is impossible for you to bridle your tongue. It is impossible. For you to live as a perfect man. So this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to put my spirit down on the inside of you. And if you'll spend time with my spirit, he is going to create a new man and a new creation. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to get that right there. That's a revelation for somebody. Don't just quote 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He's telling me if you'll let my spirit down on the inside of you. Yeah, you got saved, but you wasn't a new man yet. You still was doing the same stuff. You, your, your mind was still the same way because you was a baby. You hadn't produced. You hadn't become a man yet. He said, but now that you're becoming a man in God, you're becoming a woman in God, my spirit is going to mold you into a new creation, into a new vessel, into a new. I'm not going to use the old dirty man you once was because the old man is dead I want to re recreate a new man and a new creation the Bible references this as being born again when, when a baby is born as I spoke in the, in the last series nobody expects that baby 
to be making financial decisions for the home. Nobody expects that baby to be grocery shopping, cooking, cleaning. But as that baby grows, there you begin training the baby. You begin teaching them how to say mama, dada. You start teaching them how to take a step. Then one day, you're teaching them how to catch a baseball, and how, to, how to swing a bat, and how to dance on your toes like a ballerina. And then one day, you're teaching them how to drive a car, how to read street signs, how to avoid accidents. Then one day, you give them away. You give them away. The Bible says that children are like arrows in a quiver. And I'm a big archery hunter. Just a couple more weeks, man. And we're going to be in the stands. I love to archery hunt. There's something I discovered about being an archery hunter. It don't matter how many arrows I buy. It don't matter how many nice broad heads I get. If I draw that bow back, and I put that sight on that front shoulder. And I just look through the peep sight and stare. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. The only way that arrow accomplishes what it was designed to do, I have to let it go. I have to release it. And when I release it, that arrow is going to spend a season in transition. It's going to travel. Amen. If you got a Hoyt or a Matthews, it's a little quicker than the rest. But as it travels and it goes, there is a moment or a distance that it travels where it looks like there's nothing there to support it. It looks like there's nothing there that's going to have its back. It looks like there's nothing there. There's no hope. What, I, why did I let him go? Why did I release her into that atmosphere? Why did I let her go? Why did I let this minister go? Amen. I'm talking to preachers too. I'm talking to spiritual sons and spiritual daughters like Dr. Johann Brewer talked about. You've got to be willing to release them also. Don't hoard them in your castle when you could release them to a target design that they were purposed for and designed for. The only way the arrow does what it was designed to do and accomplishes the task that it was sent to do is it has to be put on target. And that's what you do when you train them. But when you let them go off that bow, that transition time from the moment it leaves the arrow, from the moment it leaves the bow to the moment it strikes the target, it's not near as long as you think. It might feel like a long time. It might feel like an eternity. But when it does what it was sent to do, and it makes contact, there is so much more to rejoice in. Do you know how many times I've shot a deer with my bow, and I'm walking, and I find an arrow that I'm like, I found my arrow. Woo! Let's go, boys. I found my arrow. No, because it's no longer about the arrow. It's no longer about the arrow anymore. Because that arrow done something so much greater. 
that it's no longer, it's used there, is no longer important. Now the arrow is in the ministry in which it just impacted. And so if I go after the ministry, I can leave the arrow on the trail. I no longer have to worry about the, the vessel that carried it there. Amen. Come on, somebody. This vessel is nothing. This vessel will die one day. I've got to follow the Spirit. I've got to let my sons and daughters go. And when I get to where they're going, i got to quit looking for them. And i got to start looking for the ministry that they're impacting because if I will go search the ministry they've been impacting, that's where we're going to get the overflow. But there's so many people chasing the arrow because that's my baby. Let your baby do what God designed it to do. Quit trying to lay claims on something God knew before you knew. Stop laying claims on something God called before you called. Every time you pick up your phone to call your baby, I want you to remember in Jeremiah, amen, God called him long before you ever did. So it don't matter, you can call him every day, but before he, you ever were formed in the mother's womb, before he, you ever knew you, before your mama knew you, your daddy knew you, God knew you. And he called you. So as you stand all over the house this morning, I want to ask you, are you being led by the Spirit this morning? I, I hope that this doesn't take much explanation. I hope by Scripture you've been able to conceive this, but being led by the Spirit don't always feel good. I love what Dr. Brewer said one night. He said, I am a child of God. And then he asked the question, he said, do I feel like it? Of course, when people come in out of town, they ask questions like that. Obviously, you know, okay, here's a trick answer. He's trying to make the church say something. Then he's going to say, no, you're wrong. But then he answered it. He said, no, I don't feel like it. I don't always feel like a child of God. But that's why our, our flesh has nothing to do with our salvation. Because what I feel like don't mean I ain't. Just because I don't feel like a child of God don't mean I ain't a child of God. Because there's going to be days I don't feel like a, like a good father. I can't change the fact that I'm on those birth certificates. There's going to be days I don't feel like a man. Don't mean I can go out and identify as a woman. I just, there's going to be days I don't feel like what I am. That's why I don't operate in my feelings. I have to operate being led by the Spirit. Do you feel like it? Maybe not. Do you feel like you're being led by the Spirit? Probably not. If you are being led by the Spirit, I will tell you this small disclaimer. It's not going to feel good. It's not going to feel good. The only time it's going to start feeling good to you being led by the Spirit is when the things of this world are no longer important, but the things of His kingdom are. That's when it'll feel good to be led by the Spirit. When it doesn't matter, Lord, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to let this go. I don't want to change this. I don't want to separate this. I don't want to add this, Lord. All that stuff's going to bother you when the Spirit starts speaking. You just don't understand how many times we, I've sought counsel because I feel like the Lord's saying to do something. And I just don't. I want somebody to tell me, no, you ain't got to do that. You ain't supposed to do that. Lord, oh, no, Lord told me, Josh, don't worry about it. But I can tell you, God is always going to confirm His Word. He's not going to confirm my feelings. So it may not feel good to be led by the Spirit, but I can promise you this. There ain't nothing out there that compares to the fulfillment that comes from being led by the Spirit. 
It's hard to live a Christian life. No, it ain't. Because God didn't ask you to do it by yourself. He said, trust and lean, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. Where am I supposed to go? It don't matter. I know where you're going. Make all these plans if you want to, Josh. Plan on where you're going to be fishing this Friday. Plan, go out there, plant you some food plots where you're going to be. Many are the plans of a man, but it is God's plan that prospers. Oh, I'm going to put back some money, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. We're going to build a house, buy some land. We're going to do this and do that. Make them plans if you want to. You're led by the Spirit, my brother. God's way will prosper. And I'm thankful He loves me enough to show me that it doesn't matter where I go or what I do. When you get around people that have the same spirit, that are led by the same spirit, you could be at a funeral and feel more loved than you've ever felt in your life. You could be at a wedding and feel more loved than you've ever felt in your life. You could be at a birthday party and have joy and patience and peace and kindness. It oftentimes feels like we're doing this, that God's requiring a lot of us. But I want to take you back to a scripture in the Old Testament. It pleased the God to bruise Jesus for us. It pleased him to bruise us. There was one thing the evangelist said, and in the context in which he said it, I agree with it. But if I wanted to argue with him, I could argue one point. When he said Jesus wasn't worried about being beat, he wasn't worried about the separation of the Father, I would have to disagree. As a son of God, I don't believe he was worried. I don't believe he was stressed. But as a son of man, the Bible says his capillaries in his skin burst and he sweated droplets of blood. I don't believe it was because of the beating. I, don't, I believe it was because of the a separation of the Father, something he had never experienced in eternity. He was about to be separated from his father. The son of God had joy. He said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy of the Lord don't mean you feel good about it. The joy of the Lord don't mean he was sitting there with a tambourine saying, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to the cross. I can't wait to that cross. I don't believe he, that's, that ain't what the joy means. The joy means that even in the midst of your worst battle in your worst situation you got to understand it pleased the Lord amen for Jesus to be bruised because it wasn't about what the arrow had to do in transition it was about what it was about to impact amen Gee, he wasn't following Jesus he was following the ministry of Jesus who was the lamb slain from the foundations of this earth and when Jesus made impact and said it is finished and he got up on that third day the whole church had the ability to the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you would bind would be bound. Whatsoever loose would be loosed. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, again, I'm going to ask you, are you walking? And do you find yourself more oftentimes responding to things in the flesh? Or do you find yourself more often responding to things spiritually? I want you to just take the next few minutes as they play and I want you to just pray. You can pray right there where you are. You can find a spot outside. You can kneel down in the pew. You can come to this altar. It's a little different this morning.
this is not a service in which I just want to go around and lay hands on you and, and, and just giving out prophetic word. This is a, I believe this is a day in which God wants us to examine ourselves. He wants us to ask ourselves, are we being led by the Spirit? I don't want it to stop out here. I want it to come up on this stage. Everybody on this stage, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I being led by the Spirit? Because if I'm being led by the Spirit, I will not, I will not, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if we're all honest with ourselves, I can promise you, every one of us have failed and stumbled. According to Ephesians, we all stumble in many ways. Because you stumble don't mean you're going to hell. It just means you need to recognize, I got to bury that again. I got to bury that again. I got to bury that again. I've got to bury that again. I've got to bury that again. And then all of a sudden, one day, you're going to have to quit burying it because it's going to quit birthing. It's going to lose its power. There's always going to be something that your flesh is going to try to bring back. But you just got to keep doing it. So right now, ask yourself, am I led by the Spirit? And you may not be able to honestly answer this question fully because maybe you've never been taught or anyone's ever showed you exactly what the, other than the fruits of the Spirit, what is the, what is the evidence of the Spirit in my life? Next week, we're going to talk about that. Next week's going to be, has the capability of being an awesome service, depending on the attitude you bring. It has an awesome, awesome message, though. Anytime you get to preach on the Holy Ghost, it's a good thing. So as you ask yourself that this morning, listen, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know all the ins and outs. Based on what you've learned today, do I find myself more often checking off the boxes of the flesh's to-do list, or do I find myself producing the fruits of the Spirit? I'm just going to give you a few moments to meditate on that as they play. pray with you now. If anybody in here maybe you're feeling conviction right now and you feel like I just want to I want to fix this. What do I got to do? What I'm going to help you. We're going to crucify our flesh. We're going to repent. We're going to ask God to forgive us and guess what? We're going to believe he done it. But the little nugget of truth I got to leave you with when God forgives you, that ain't the end of the story. You got to forgive yourself and move on. If not, there will be a root of bitterness that springs up. God will have already forgiven you. It'll be out of God's mind and memory, but it will haunt you because you haven't forgiven yourself. I want to help you forgive yourself this morning as well. So I'm going to pray for you. These are going to be my words, but it needs to be out of your heart. You need to make it your prayer. 
Father, I need you. I need you, Lord, to forgive me where I have allowed the flesh to give power to sin. And Lord, it is my desire to fulfill your calling on my life. And I understand I cannot do that in my own strength. I need the help of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. I bind and rebuke and cast down my flesh and its desires. And Lord, I open myself to you this morning to allow the Holy Spirit to move into my life, to begin to lead me, to begin to guide me, Lord. And Lord, give me the strength and the tenacity and the courage to follow it, Lord, to follow the leading of your Spirit. And I'm asking you, Lord God, that as I begin to walk after the leading of your Spirit, that I begin to, be, to begin to produce the fruits that are not of me but of you, Lord God. And I pray that when people look at me, they don't see me, but they see the city set on a hill that cannot be hid. I'm just a light in the kingdom, God. But I don't want them to recognize my bulb. I want them to recognize my Father who empowers me. I want them to recognize, Lord God, that you have given me strength when I was weak. You have made me rich when I was poor. You have took me from the tail and made me the head. You made me a, a, bar, a lender instead of the borrower, Lord. You took the end of my story and wrote that based off the beginning of my story, God. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you have saved me. You have redeemed me. You have forgiven me. And Lord, right now, I confess and declare that I will forgive myself. That I will not let the enemy keep reminding me where I fall short. Because today I've been forgiven. I am at liberty in the presence of God. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Lord, right now, I declare Romans chapter 8 verse 1 over each and every one of our lives. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we will not be condemned any longer. There is no condemnation right now, Father. We are forgiven. We are set free. We are children of God. We are pursuing to be Christians, Christ-like-minded people, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you this question. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring any attention to you. This is for, simply for you to make a confession where you are. But if you're here this morning and you say, I just invited Jesus Christ into my life, and I'm a brand new child of God. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you say, Lord, I just prayed that prayer, and I believe that I have crucified my flesh. And from this day forward, I'm about to walk being led by your Spirit. I am dedicating this walk to you, Lord. I know that you are leading me, and where you go, I will follow. With nobody looking around, 
If you, if you just made that choice, will you just simply slip your hand up? Again, I'm not going to call you out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can look this way. If you've given your heart to Jesus, the Bible says to make your election and a calling sure. I, I, I know we've got a few that's already asked, but I want to plan a baptism service in the upcoming weeks. And if you would like to be a part of that, I want you to see me. I want you to get with us. You can send us a message through our app. Uh, if you go on our app, there's a way of taking the next steps on there also. But if you don't know how to do all that, just come see us the old-fashioned way. But if you'd like to be baptized, we're going to set up a baptism service. I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but we're going to make it different than we've done it in the past. I'm believing for God to supply our need. But it would mean everything to this old pastor's heart if I could baptize people right here. And I know it can be done. I'm believing for it. But if you'd like to be baptized and you want to say, I'm Lord, I want to make my confession sure. I want to make my calling and election sure. And I want to publicly confess and let the world know I've been saved. And I want to do that by water baptism. I want you to come let me know and I'll be glad to do it for you. If you've never been baptized and maybe you've been saved, but you've never given your heart or you've never went through the public baptism and you'd like to be a part of it, listen, all are welcome. I will baptize. You can ask folks now, I think for one month, one or two months, I think I've done seven baptisms. Different Sundays because they were coming at different times. I, 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 but I do want to set aside a special Sunday. If you'd like to be baptized, get your family to come and be a part of this. Uh, we'll, we'll announce the day we decide to do that. But I want to announce that because I want you to let me know if you want to be baptized. Uh, make that calling and election sure. Be led by the Spirit. Amen. All hearts and minds clear this morning. Can we give King Jesus a big hand clap of praise all over the house?